This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Any news today, Tito, at all? (laughs) (laughs) Dang, Rosie. That's your job. This is the Rosie Report. The next round's on Rosie, and we'll read his credit card number here in just a moment. Regular season roundup. Catch it, Rosie. Nicely done, Rosebud. Now, here's Jim Rosenhaus. Well, we welcome you into episode number two of the Rosie Report, regular season roundup. And uh, this is our weekend special recap as uh, we take you on a Monday, hopefully, when you're hearing this, into the home opener at Progressive Field on Monday afternoon. But uh, it turned out to be a good weekend for the Tribe after a, a slow start to their season, a couple of losses to the Tigers that always look worse than they do when they're the first two games of the season. The Indians busted loose for a 9-3 to win on Sunday afternoon in Detroit. Coming up later on in our show, we'll talk with Indians general manager Mike Chernoff about roster construction and some of the challenges the Indians faced this season to put together that opening day roster with some looks down the road in mind for what it'll take to get through the entire season. Some real challenges there, so we'll talk to Cherney about that a little bit later on in our podcast. But first, a quick look at the first win of the season for the Tribe. Indians trailing in the seventh inning. That's when Yu Chang had the biggest base hit of the young season for the Indians. Yu Chang has doubled and popped up. A.J. Hinch maybe doesn't want Tito's left-handed bats to face a right-hander out of the pen. The pitch swung on and drilled a base hit into left center, and the Indians are going to get the lead. Rosario scores. Naylor's right behind him. And Yu Chang's first RBIs of 2021. He drilled a two-run single to left center, and the Indians have the lead for the second time today and the second time all season. And three straight hits off Daniel Norris. And the Indians have come from behind here in the seventh and now lead this ballgame 4-3. to three. Jordan Luplo would follow later on in the inning with a two-run home run, and the route was on for the Indians, who got great pitching from Aaron Savali, who earned his first win of the season with seven strong innings, allowing just two hits. They turned out to be... Uh, both home runs, so three runs allowed by Savali, but uh, a really good effort for uh, the young right-hander as he wins his first game of the season. And afterward, Terry Francona talked about that first win, which always feels good. Tito, what did you think of uh, Savali? I thought he battled his rear end off. You know, again, we gave up, you know, too early, which is not the greatest formula for success, but you know, other than the first pitch home run to Badu, I mean, he really went down and started throwing his breaking ball for strikes. Um, he, I, again, he was terrific. That was, I mean, we needed it because if we give up any more, you know, the way it looked early, that game's probably a little different. What did you think of the way that Clause pitched in the ninth? Say it again. What did you think of the way that Clause pitched in the ninth? 
Well, I mean, it's pretty much like we expect. I mean, good velocity, pumps, strikes. Um, that's not the normal time he'll pitch, but we don't want guys to get too far removed from their last outing. So I'm glad he didn't have a long inning. When you guys were able to add a few runs on there, was it uh, you know nice to be able to get Cal up and get him into the game in, in a situation like that? Because you that had was, James, you had James up originally. We had Karen check up, and then getting Quantrill in the game was was big. Um, Cal, for whatever reason, when he comes out of the bullpen, he just is so aggressive, and it's really fun to watch. You know, I watched it last year on TV, but if, you know if he can take that mentality when he starts going to be interesting because this stuff is so good out of the pen. After Yu Chang was able to, to come through with that that big single, uh, did, did you notice that the hitters maybe uh, a little more relaxed at the plate and, and the offense just sort of came naturally then? Yeah, it was nice to see there was some enthusiasm and you know there was something to yell about. We hadn't had a whole lot to yell about, but guys were, were into it. It was fun. There was a good energy going on. It was, uh, I was happy for them. I mean, the first two days were kind of a struggle for us and it was nice to see guys break through. And it was kind of up and down the lineup. I'm a little late to the party, Terry, obviously. But I know you talked a little bit about what Savali did. Is there anything that stands out about what he's able to do as he settled in and, and got the game going? It seemed like everything was up high early. But as he settled in, it seemed like the pitchers were a little bit lower in the strike zone. And I think I, he started commanding his breaking ball. You could see he got comfortable and he was throwing it, like, for a first pitch strike. Or, you know, you're kind of flipping it in there. And, and then he's throwing that cutter. And he was, you know, even with his fastball, when he just – when he missed, he just missed. Um, I just thought he looked – you know, even his his tempo, I think, got better as he got into the game. That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona following the Indians' win on Sunday in Detroit, a 9-3 to victory over the Tigers. So the Indians come home 1-2 and two on the young season, heading into the home opener against the Royals on Monday afternoon at 4-10. Mike Chernoff is the Indians general manager, and he, along with president of baseball operations Chris Antonetti, run the show at the top of the baseball ops department for the Indians. And, man, have they had a great run as the Indians the last eight seasons dating back to the 2013 campaign have the most wins of any team in the American League. This year, some roster turnover in the offseason. And uh, Cherney talked about some of those challenges in our conversation with him to keep this team competitive this year and in the future. And uh, those were one of the many subjects that he touched on when we sat down with him over the weekend. You get through a spring training, and I think we've seen it already in the regular season with the, the Nationals undergoing some COVID issues and, and a late start to their season. But it seemed like the Indians... Uh, had a good plan in place and and got through okay and and was that the case in in terms of spring training and safety? It was well. First off, uh, it was a whole lot smoother than last year's spring training. If you rewind uh, about a year and fifteen days um, with the chaos of you know learning of the pandemic and canceling spring training, um, this it certainly was a a, uh, a welcome thing to be back into a what I would call a semi-normal spring training um, where we at least had our whole major league group and our staff there and could get through kind of the cadence of a regular spring training. At the same time, there were all sorts of restrictions. We learned a lot last year and were able to kind of implement um, a set of principles and guidelines um, and plans to make sure we kept everyone safe. And, and, you know, fingers crossed, we got through it and hopefully can continue for the rest of the year to do it. Um, Our medical staff, was just absolutely tremendous um, in making sure that our guys were safe and following the protocols and that we made it as easy as possible for them. 
I know Terry Francona had had expressed some concerns about uh, spacing out of, of workouts and and just the clubhouses and and keeping everyone separated to some extent. With such a, a young club and some roster turnover, are there some concerns there that that you can't build that? camaraderie just yet or, or were you able to overcome that and, and feel pretty good about what you were able to do during the spring that was our big concern going in um you know we use spring training as a time to really do team building um and to just have guys start to feel comfortable around the major league team especially young players or new players to build the relationships that they need to and so there was concern with the distancing and spread out over the complex we had people spread out into different locker rooms that it would be challenging to do that um, Tito and the staff did an exceptional job of creating those dynamics anyway and doing it in safe ways, whether it was, you know, setting up tents to eat outdoors um, or making sure that those interactions were happening, but happening safely in, you know, in the dugout or in outdoor environments. So, you know, largely, I think we were able to accomplish that team building, um, although we had to be creative and do it in very different ways than we ever have before. And you look at the roster, some new faces, some young faces, uh, as challenging to set an opening day roster as you've had in, in quite some time when it was all said and done? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, and, and I think I think you're, you, you hit the, the nail on the head. You know, we, for a long time, um, sort of building up from 2015 or 2016, had quite a bit of consistency, especially with our starting pitching staff um, and with our position player club. And we're looking to kind of fill one or two spots um, but often had, you know, one or two young players kind of competing for those spots or an external guy competing for that spot. But you had kind of constrained decisions that you had to make. You, you kind of knew um, the parameters of where you had to make those decisions and how the pieces could fit. Going into this spring, I think it was a lot more open um, with a lot more young players that we really like and really feel good about. Um, but decisions that were much more complicated, like who should play where? Do we limit guys only to first base or potentially have to play first base on the outfield? Um, and so sort of figuring out exactly what spots guys were competing for and then figuring out, okay, how do we fill them on opening day? Um, those are really challenging decisions, and we had to factor in a lot of information that uh, we weren't used to having to factor in in the past. Indians general manager Mike Chernoff joining us. Stay tuned. We'll have more after this. Welcome back to Indians Warm-Up. Mike Chernoff joining us, Tribe General Manager. And, uh, Mike, the team in Detroit, and, and you have that roster set. Uh, I think it was early in the offseason you kind of talked about threading the needle. That's kind of a, a quote that it's how you have to, to work things to keep this team in contention while also balancing long-term success and, and development. Uh, the roster decisions you had to make, in some cases, a, a real reflection of that? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you saw the way a number of those played out um, in Camp Forest. That's exactly right. It was deciding, you know, in the bullpen, do you give a young guy a chance or do you potentially go with a non-roster invite like Brian Shaw and have a little bit of stability there? Or, you know, the battle at first base where we had Bobby Bradley really just come out and have an unbelievable spring, um, but also recognizing that he has options. And Jake Bowers, who's made a lot of progress and has been really consistent in his offseason work um, and is out of options, maybe didn't have as um, dynamic of a spring as Bobby, but is an exciting player nonetheless. Um, but it would have been an irreversible decision. 
to potentially uh, take him off the team just because he doesn't have minor league options. So that's exactly right. I mean, we had to factor in a lot of different things and, like you said, thread the needle on each of those decisions to try to think about not only what's the best team today. You know, we're not solving for what is the best team for game one. It is what's the best team over the course of the season and how do we thread that needle to make sure that we have uh, a sustainable period of success over the course of the year. And part of that is you send a player to the minor leagues and they start playing this week and, and everything progresses from there. But it's so different this year with the minor leagues on hold for about a month and you have an alternate site. You still have spring training and good year going. How do you decide where to place someone uh, to get the most out of them and, and keep the team prepared? That's right. Yeah. So we don't we didn't only have the complexity of putting together the major league roster. We also had to determine which guys should we have go to our alternate training site? That's what we're calling it. Last year, we had a similar type of setup where over the course of the 60-game season, we had a group in Lake County that was kind of our depth camp. They had to only have intra-squad games where they played against each other, just kind of scrimmages. This year, it's going to be a little bit different. We'll have a group in Columbus at our alternate training site, um, which is sort of like a AAA environment. They'll be able to actually play some games against um, local teams so they can drive to like Toledo or drive um, to some of the other AAA teams that are right around there for day trips to have games and get a little bit of competition. But it won't be exactly like having a AAA season where they just kind of go out and uh, and have a normal type of environment. So we had to decide, do we send guys to the alternate training site or do we keep them in you know, this new minor league spring training, which we're going to have a month long spring training in Arizona um, for the rest of our full season players in the minor leagues. Typically the minor league season or minor league spring training would happen at the same time as major league spring training. And then all the teams would kind of go out at the same time as the major league team and start their minor league seasons. This year, because we had to limit the number of guys in the complex, we had to stagger it. So our minor league group has come into the complex um, as of yesterday or or today they will have a month-long spring training, and then they'll start their minor league seasons uh, in, in early May um, after the buildup over the next month. And we had an opportunity to, to see so many of those players who will, will be in that situation uh, revolving uh, among a couple of different spots. But the, the Tyler Freemans, the Owen Millers, Gabriel Arias, uh, it seems like there's more talent close to the major leagues than there's been in, in a couple of years. Is that a fair way to, to characterize it? We certainly feel that way. I get it that I'm biased, but I think you saw it in spring training and saw it in some of the results. Um, we really feel that way. You know, we've made a lot of decisions over the past few years as we've tried to thread the needle, like you talked about, on rebuilding our system at the same time that we've been trying to compete at the major league level. And I think you're seeing the fruit of that in some ways with this group that has progressed through the system and is now knocking on the door and at the upper levels. Some of those guys are you know, cracking into the big leagues with us right now. You're seeing it with some of the guys in our bullpen or young players like Tristan McKenzie, who made our major league team at the end of the year last year and now again this year. Or you're seeing it with some of these guys who are probably going to be in double A or triple A this year. Um, you know, the, the Nolan Jones, the Owen Millers, the Gabriel Arias, um, guys like that who we feel have a really bright future in front of them and are kind of right on the doorstep at this point. Pitching-wise, I think there's a concern throughout the game about a potential big innings jump for starting pitchers in particular. Uh, is there a concrete plan yet for for the Indians, or are you kind of trying to play it by ear and, and, and see how things go early on? Well, I think we're going to have to um, be adaptable. 
Um, and so that, that was a big thing we talked about this offseason. We're going to have to make sure that we're listening to guys and how their bodies are feeling um, and being smart about their their uh, buildups over the course of the year to keep them durable. At the same time, we did a tremendous amount of planning in the offseason, really even dating back to last year, in how do we um, how do we make sure that we're really on top of keeping guys uh, keeping guys arms in shape, their bodies in shape, tracking that. Uh, we did it even last year with the shutdown in the quarantine period before summer camp. We had our guys mostly throwing multiple innings through all of that. You know, some of them were just throwing into a net, but we made sure that we were tracking their velocity um, and making sure that despite the number of innings they threw in season, they actually built up quite a bit more volume than what you saw just on paper because of the work that they did. So it's been a really um, kind of cross-functional effort that our groups have had. Our sports science department, sports medicine, strength and conditioning guys have worked with our pitching coaches to map out exactly what those plans should look like. Um, and they've done a tremendous job in helping each pitcher build that individualized plan. And Micah, in closing, you had a chance to be there for the opener in Detroit. Yes, it was snowing for a good portion of the game, and uh, it was a bitter cold day. But uh, just from your perspective, you're in the game, but you're also a fan. To see fans back and start a season on time, what did that mean to you? Uh, it was uh, it, it was um, it felt like uh, opening day in the Midwest for sure. Uh, it's funny I FaceTimed my kids and saw that it actually looked quite a bit worse in Cleveland with all the snow there. So the the small flurries that we got in Detroit um, were were at least manageable compared to what was going on in Cleveland. I will say it's funny coming off of the sixty game season last year, you felt like every game was like do or die. So you lost one game, and you know it felt like a football season. Like that's it, your season's done. I had that same feeling in game one. And then um, it was kind of a nice feeling to reflect on it and think this is one of 162. Um, and we'll get, we'll go back out and we'll get them tomorrow. And there were some positive things we saw and obviously some things that were frustrating that we saw, but we got 161 more of them. Um, and I think that's what I love about baseball. That's what a lot of people love about baseball, kind of that normalcy, um, the regularity of playing and, just having fans there every night or, or people watching on TV every night or listening on the radio every night. So it's fun to be back to that for sure. Um, and that was a good feeling watching that yesterday. Well, Mike, so much. Uh, thanks so much for your insight. And um, we'll look forward to talking with you throughout the season, hopefully a, a longer normal season than we've, we had last year. But uh, thanks so much for coming by. I appreciate it. Fingers crossed on that. I'm with you, Rosie. Thank you very much. Always great to visit with Indians General Manager Mike Chernoff and Talk Tribe. And that's going to do it for episode number two of the Rosie Report regular season roundup. Enjoy the week. We'll try and get as many of these in your ears as we can. But as always, thanks to Bart Swain from Indians PR for all of his help on some of our interview setups. I'm Jim Rosenhouse. Thanks for downloading the Rosie Report. This has been the Rosie Report. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.